Let us pray. Father, we come to you today. God, we give you praise, Lord, for your good, your holy, and your wonderful, Lord. God, we do thank you for our Savior's love for us. We thank you that we can know you, the everlasting God, the Lord of all creation, the Holy One. God, even in our troubles and our trials, Lord, and the things we can go through, God, we, we praise you. Lord, and through your Spirit, Lord, we can be more like you. Lord, so I pray today that you would lead us in Christ, that you would guide us and help us to, to be more like Jesus. Help us to be conformed to the image of Christ. God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. As we will be going through, the title of today's message is Being Conformed to His Image. Being Conformed to His Image. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, in these days, everyone seems to be divided on so many topics. Divisions all around us in culture, in families, and even sometimes in the church. It seems you have to choose sides, and then once you choose sides, the other side becomes, very, becomes the enemy. Uh, the best way to tear down something is dividing it. You've heard the saying, divide and conquer. That is the way of ways of war. That is the ways of politics. And did you know that also that is the ways of the enemy? The best way for the devil to destroy the church is with division. But God created the church to have unity. God never created His people uh, to be all the same person. He created us all different. We have all different sizes, all different colors. We're different backgrounds. We have different talents, different spiritual gifts, and different personalities. But in those differences, we are made stronger with the unity in Christ. When we look at chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same joy, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Number one, if you look in, in uh, the the page you got in your bulletin, number one, is the unity of the gospel. Unity of the gospel. When we look at the first two verses, we need to have the mind of Christ. When we look at verse one, we says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, well, this word, if, can, uh, really has the, the meaning of sense. It's not like if you have these things, if you have encouragement in Christ, or if you have consolation of love or fellowship of the Spirit, or if you have affection and compassion, but in Christ we have these things. So it's since there is encouragement in Christ. 
since you have consolation of love, since these are true, Paul said, make my joy complete by pursuing unity, being of the same mind, by being, maintaining the same love, by united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Maybe you're reading this and you say, well, me and so-and-so aren't of the same mind. <laughs> uh, we don't really agree on anything. But are you unified in the gospel? There are fellow Christians in the church who don't see eye on things like uh, the way we raise our kids, on the music they prefer, on which football team they like. You'd be surprised how that can cause division. Or maybe the one that causes the most division is politics. Maybe you don't see eye to eye on politics on someone. But as Christians, we're not to be identical people. There are things that are important, and there are the most important thing. There is the most important thing, right? So things like politics, yes, it's important. But the most important thing is the gospel of Christ. Are we unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Having the mind of Christ is unity in the gospel. It is unity in the kingdom. It is, it is advancing the kingdom of God together. We have security in the gospel and, and the unity, and that unity is where it can be found. People want to have unity in certain things, and you can see it everywhere. We want to be with like-minded people and unite, right? Uh, whatever you unite in, other than the gospel, it is passing away. You can unite in a football team. I love my Tigers. Go Tigers, right? But... But if you find your purpose in uniting in college football, then your purpose is basically temporal and useless and eternal things. If you find your purpose in anything other than the gospel, your purpose is temporal and is passing away. But the gospel is eternal. The gospel is something that would never go away. It is something that would never die. And the one constant is Christ. When we look at verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We need to be humble. When we look at an example of Christ, Jesus was the most humble person. Which should tell us, pride does not belong anywhere in the Christian's life. Pride comes before the fall. Pride becomes before every sin. Right? What is pride? Pride is thinking that my will is more important than God's will. More, more, I'm more important than I should be. In the culture today, people are prideful and boastful. People want all the credit, even if the credit belongs to someone else. I didn't do that, but guess what? I want credit for it. I had a little bit of hand in that, but you know what? I want all credit for it. Or guess what? I did that. You should look at me um, for that, right? We want all credit. But selfish ambition and empty conceit are always part of the world and its system. Ken Hughes said, in the secular Greek literature of Jesus' day, the words humility and lowliness were rarely used. 
And if they were used, it was in a derogatory sense of servile weakness or groveling or shameful lowliness. It was, it was looked down upon to be humble in Jesus' day. But guess what? Jesus was humble. He was countercultural. The rule for the gospel or in the church is, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Have you ever thought of this? The big birds never sing. Big birds never sing. You got the eagle, right? The eagle doesn't sing. You ever heard the ostrich or the turkey make a joyful, beautiful sound? But you have heard the canary, the wren, and the lark, and and they make some sweet music. But guess what? The sweetest music comes from those Christians who are small in their own estimation before the Lord. We know that we are nothing without Christ. But in Christ, He gives us everything we need. So being conformed to His image means becoming humble. And humble is, humility is not a lack of self-esteem. It is a confidence in someone other than yourself, namely Jesus. It is not having confidence, me not having confidence in me, but me knowing that I can do whatever He wants in Him. Knowing that I get my power through Him. Knowing that any successes I have for eternity is through Him. Right? It's not through me. Because I have nothing. I am nothing without Christ. See, in ourselves we're always lacking. But knowing that in Christ is all we need. We shouldn't do things to make our name known, but to, but to make the name of Christ be known. It's not all about my glory because I have none. And guess what? It's not about your glory either because you have none. When we make it all about us, then God doesn't get the glory that is due His name. It is nice to be recognized, but if our worth comes from the recognition of others, then guess what? We have our priorities all wrong. The recognition that is truly special is when we glorify God and we give Him all the praise. Jesus deserves praise. We don't. He deserves all recognition. We don't. He deserves all honor and all glory and we don't. But we are His. Then we look at number two. It says the, the example of Christ. So if you want to write down the example of Christ. In verses 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that good? These verses come from an early church hymn. It's one of the greatest uh, Christological texts in the Bible of Jesus' divinity and humanity. 
So what that means is, uh, it is one of the greatest passages telling uh, of who Jesus is uh, in His divinity and His godness and His humanity and His madness and all of Scripture. And for that and many other reasons, this is one of my favorite Scriptures in the Bible. Um, but not only does it show His divinity and His humanity, but it also shows His character and His heart. It shows His exaltation, his being, Him being lifted up, and His humiliation, Him being brought low. And we'll hit on all that in looking at Jesus' example through this hymn that Paul used here. We look at verses 2, two 5, and 6. He thinks of others, not himself. Have this mind. Have this attitude. That among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's grasped. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ's attitude was not for others, was for others and not for himself. Jesus was God in all his glory, but he did not, did not consider uh, that a thing to be grasped. He did not want to hold on to his glory, but instead he emptied himself. Can you imagine a king who has power and who has authority? But he knew that the best way for him to help his people was to put away his kingness, put away his power, put away his, uh, his royalty, right? And become a servant. Do you think you'd ever hear that from any, anybody saying that, you know, this king stepped down from being the king because he knew that he needed to help others by serving them? No. No, you, you've never heard that. Well, think of this, the king of glory stepped out, right? And, and he, he veiled his glory, he veiled his godness and became a man. Because he didn't consider holding on to his godness a thing to be grasped. He didn't think that, that him holding on to it was something that he wanted to do. Instead, he, he gave it. Instead, he veiled it. Instead, he um, emptied himself. Because he knew he had to, to come down for us. This is selfless. And that's what he's called for each of us. He's called each of us to be selfless. In our nature, we are selfish. And I'm not pointing fingers at you, I'm pointing them back at me. Uh, but the Bible says we're all selfish. We are all self-centered. But being conformed to the image of Christ, we must follow His example and think of others more important than ourselves. Now don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that we need a, a religious doormat. We don't need to be pushed around and pushed over by others. We, we must stand on the truth. We must obey the Word of God. But in service, we, we should serve. We should think of others as more important than ourselves uh, for Christ's sake. We can take this in a different direction. 
and be kind so much that we get pushed around and pushed down. But that's not what he's saying here. We need to be bold for the gospel. We need to stand bold for the word of God, bold on his truth. But we need to consider others more important than ourselves in service and help. We also see in verse 7 that he serves. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Thinking of others in abstract sense is only insufficient. We must get down to the nitty-gritty of true service. A famous philosopher wrote glowing words about educating children, but, but he abandoned his own. It was easy for him to love children in the abstract, but when it came down to practice, that was something else. Jesus thought of others and became a servant. Paul traces the steps in humiliation of Christ. Number one, he emptied himself, laying aside the independent use of his own attributes as God. He permanently became a human in sinful, sinless physical body. He used that body to be a servant, and he took that body to the cross and willingly died. What grace. From heaven to earth, from glory to shame, from master to servant, from life to death, even death on a cross. For Jesus to overcome our curse, right, which is sin, we are sinners, each and every one of us, he had to become a curse for us. Scripture says, any everyone who is put on a tree is cursed, hung on a tree. He knew what he had to do for us. And that leads us into verse 8 where he sacrifices. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Many are willing to serve others as long as it doesn't cost them anything. If there's a price to pay, suddenly they lose interest. But God calls us to sacrifice. He calls us to serve. He calls us to sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins and for sins of others so that we would be redeemed. He didn't die a martyr's death. That's what we do. He died a Savior's death to give us hope and give us everlasting life. And because of his death, we have life. And so we look at him and his example, and we say, because he died, we must be willing to sacrifice. What does that mean, sacrifice? It means going further than you ever wanted to go. Does that mean giving your life? And death? Maybe. Maybe not. That's for the Lord to decide. <laughs> but it's for us to be willing to give our life if that's the will of God. But it not, may not for you necessarily be giving your life in death, but it is giving your life. 
as you live, you must sacrifice for Christ. Dr. J.H. Jowett said, Ministry that, con- that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there is to be blessing, there must also be bleeding. One of the early church fathers said, The, the blood of the saint is the seed of the church. Where the, the saints bleed, the church grows. See, we can see the sacrifices of others. And for the Christian, that, that motivates us. For the Christian, that uh, helps us and, and, and emboldens us to, to be more for Christ. When we see one another standing out for the gospel, we see one, one another sacrificing for the sake of Christ, that makes us want to sacrifice for the sake of Christ. But in the American church, I, I know that we are so nominal sometimes in our faith, and I'm not talking about our body necessarily, but in everybody. People get so lazy and content in being here sometimes. They, they get so comfortable in their spot and they get so comfortable doing the, the, the same thing over and over and over again. But we must step out in faith for Christ. Because if you have never stepped out in faith for Christ, then you never know what it's like for Him to catch you. We must sacrifice for the sake of Christ and the gospel and the church. Do you sacrifice for others? Do you sacrifice for the sake of Christ and the gospel of Christ? At a religious festival in Brazil, a missionary, and you might like this, but a missionary was going from booth to booth examining the wares. He saw a sign above one booth, cheap crosses. And he thought to himself, that's what many Christians are looking for these days, are cheap crosses. My Lord's cross was not cheap. Why should mine be? Why should my cross be cheap? Jesus paid it all. And if I'm to be of the example of Christ, if I'm to be conform to the image of Christ, then I should give all for Christ. He gave all for me, right? He gave all for you. We should be willing to give all. He suffered to the greatest degree, and the worst part of his suffering was the sins he took on and the wrath of God poured out on those sins. And that was for you and me. Should Christ suffer and I not? Should Christ give all and and I hold back? Should Christ give me eternal life and me squander this life on temporal things that I want and not on the things that He wants to give me, me to do? The person with a submissive mind does not avoid sacrifice. He lives for the glory of God and for the good of others. And if paying the price will honor Christ and help others, he or she is willing to do it. So here's the question. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to sacrifice for Christ? Now, verses 9 and 10. 
He glorifies God. Jesus glorifies God, and the person with the submissive mind, he or she also glorifies God. Verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question asked is, what is the chief end of man? The answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. People always ask, what is my purpose in life? <laughs> what am I here for? Right? Well, Lord, what do you have me here for? It is to glorify God. We are here to give glory to God and to honor God and to glorify God in everything we do. So what is your purpose? It's to glorify God. How do you conform, conform to the image of Christ? Glorify God. What did Jesus do in everything He did? Right? He glorified God. When we glorify God, this goes back to humility. It all works together, you see. <laughs> if we want glory in ourselves, we would not be humble. But when we glorify God, we see Him for who He is. We see His majesty. We see His glory. We see His awesomeness. And we see us compared to Him as what we are. Truly, that is nothing. Without Him. Right? Compared to Him, we are nothing. But... Guess what? He loves you. He loves you so much. And that makes you something. We all want to be glorified. It's human nature. We want proclaim, we want fame, we want... Something that belongs to God, right? Say, well, no, I don't. Well, deep down inside you do. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm pointing fingers at what the Scripture says, right? We all want glory and honor in some way, fashion, form. We want uh, recognition, But what we need to do is glorify God. We need to lift Him up for who He is. We need to proclaim His name like we mean it. We need to tell others of the goodness of God. Guess what? That's glorifying God. I have my daughter, whom I love very much. Right? Scott has his kids. See, we... Some of you have grandkids, right? As soon as somebody asks me if I got a kid, right? My phone's out. I'm showing pictures. Yeah. This was us this weekend. Trust me, I got pictures of every weekend since she was born, or every about every day since she was born on my phone. Don't have no more storage because of my pictures of my daughter, right, and my wife. I'm I'm quick to show people what I've done and what, what she is like and, and what she has accomplished, right? 
can't imagine what it's going to be like when she has kids, and I have grandkids, and, and like how the pictures I'm going to show of them. <laughs> but am I that quick to say, here's my Jesus? Right? Let me tell you what Jesus did. Let, let, me, let me see how great he is, right? I'll tell you how great my family is, but, but let me tell you how great Jesus is. That's more significant. That's more important. But am I doing it? Are we doing it? Are we proclaiming the name of Christ with boldness, with sincerity, with hope, with joy, with the things that, that just really, truly mean eternal things? Are we proclaiming Christ that way? Or are we still stuck in temporal things? Do we glorify God in everything we do? Or are we just kind of bringing the church on Sunday when we come? Or do we talk to people we don't know about Jesus? Or do we just talk to people we're comfortable talking to about Jesus? What about that family member? Right? They need to know the glory of God. Do we also glorify God in the things we do? Do we glorify God in the things we say, but do we glorify Him in the things we do? Does our character represent the Word of God? Because your character represents Christ if you're His. Are we glorifying what we say and are we glorifying Him in what we do? See, our character says... Uh, and our reputation is what people think of us, and our character is who we really are, right? So maybe someone thinks, well, they're good Christians, but behind the scenes are we lacking? Are we not glorifying Him in the things we do when people can't see us? When we're, the cl door's closed and, and nobody knows what's going on, do we represent Christ in those times too? Do we glorify God in those And I pray that everything you do gives glory to God. I fall short so many times. But even still, He's working in me and He's working in you if you belong to Jesus to sanctify you, to make you more like Him every single day. We're going to have a time of invitation. If, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that that if he is moving on your heart, that you would come and talk to me or Brother Corey. You can come to us after service and talk to us. And if you need prayer about anything else, we'd love to pray with you or talk to you. But as, I just want to leave with this, as a Christian, as someone who knows Christ, we are no longer our own, but we are his because we've been bought with a price. Glorify Christ in your bodies and in your words and speech. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your spirit as he moves. Lord, we thank you for all you do, God, and we give you praise for who you are. You're mighty and holy and wonderful, Lord. I pray that if someone here doesn't know you, Lord, that your spirit would move in their hearts and lives, that you would lead them to Christ and save their souls. 
God, I pray that there's someone here that is not, uh, they know you, Lord, but they're not uh, serving or they're not sacrificing or they're not glorifying you in what they do, Lord. I pray that they would recognize the need for that and begin to let your spirit lead them in that way. Again, God, we give you praise and honor and glory. It's in your name and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.